It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is July 19th, 2018. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can, of course, find me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. We're going to finish out the rest of this week, kind of wrapping up Summer League, maybe doing some summer wrap-up tomorrow to close out the week uh, before we start scaling back on episodes. Uh, we won't. We pro- I probably won't be going every day for most of the rest of the summer. Obviously, if things pop up, we'll talk about them. Uh, but um, obviously, um, not a lot to go get to here for the rest of the summer as there's no basket, there's no uh, international competitions going on this year. Unfortunately, they, they moved the FIBA World Cup back a year. Um, and so we will chat about things here and there. Uh, but I do want to note that we'll probably be scaling back going two or three times a week rather than all five days a week. Um, this will be probably the last week I go all five days for, for a little while at least as as we do hit the dead parts of the summer. I still have a lot I want to get to, um, and, and there's still plenty to talk about. We'll start talking about some of the issues talk uh, about the Magic and especially their future, looking a little bit ahead, looking a little bit further than ahead uh, in the coming weeks. So uh, definitely check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com uh, and keep your, keep your subscription to the podcast, even if it's not a daily podcast. Um, for this stretch of the off season, if you haven't already, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. On today's episode, we're going to talk. We're going to again. We're going to do some last-minute summer league recap. I'm going to talk all about Jonathan Isaac and what he accomplished this off season, What he's accomplished so far this off season, what he did at summer league, and where he still needs to work to improve. And obviously, there's still a lot he can do on that end. But before we dive into that, there was a bit of NBA news that deserves some mention. Um, I joked about it a little bit. I joked about free agency moves a little bit on yesterday's show. Um, but this is no joke. A, a major move in the NBA occurred on Wednesday. The San Antonio Spurs trading Kawhi Leonard to the Toronto Raptors for DeMar DeRozan as well as Jakob Pertl, Danny Green going from the Spurs to the Raptors as well. This is a, a, a monumental move, obviously, for the Spurs, trading away franchise player. Two All-Stars getting traded for each other, always a big deal. Um, Toronto giving away perhaps the best player in their franchise's history. Uh, and so, obviously, um, obviously a, a huge, 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 Not I wouldn't say seismic shift, because that, that seems a little too much, but a big shift 
uh, with another star coming to to the Eastern Conference. And of course, the question about whether he'll stay with the Raptors long term. Our good pal Sean Woodley of Locked On Raptors has the Raptors' perspective on this trade and seeing as now Toronto is probably one of the favorites to win the Eastern Conference once again if Kawhi Leonard is healthy. Let's hear what Sean has to say about this big move. Hey, what's up? It's Sean Woodley, the host of Locked on Raptors. And holy crap, the Raptors have traded for Kawhi Leonard, uh, a deal that sends DeMar DeRozan, Jakob Pertl, and a first-round pick protected in 2019, uh, 1 through 20, to the Spurs for Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. And this is obviously very big. <laughs> the Raptors are making an enormous gamble with this move. Uh, the Raptors have been sort of fancying themselves a real relevant franchise for the last few seasons after being absolutely irrelevant for 20 plus years. And this is them taking a bet with Messiah Ujiri leading those charge that they are going to be able to keep Kawhi Leonard beyond next season. And even if they don't, there are reasons why this works out for the Raptors as well. Um, but the, overall, this is a bet by the Raptors that they can keep Kawhi Leonard around and convince him that this is the place that he wants to be for his next contract, even though he has said all along that he wants to go to LA uh, with when he becomes a free agent at the end of 2019. So we'll see about that, but the Raptors are betting big here. Uh, this is a big deal for the Raptors because, you know, they're moving on from DeMar DeRozan, who is a franchise cornerstone. I have vouched that he should have his jersey retired and have a statue built tomorrow. He is, uh, you know, I know people kind of around the league view him maybe with, you know, not the most high praise or whatever, but DeMar DeRozan is a legend in Toronto. He's a self-made all-star who went from being just like a pretty much a slasher and a dunker into being a fully well-rounded offensive player who, you know, he had his flaws, of course, and his flaws are eventually, I think, what led to him being dealt because his flaws are essentially what were the downfall of the Raptors in the playoffs the last few seasons, you know, against the Cavs this year when they got swept for the second time in a row against them. He was benched in game three uh, down the stretch as the Raptors made a big comeback. He got ejected from game four, and that's kind of sad that his last moment with the Raptors is either a, a benching in, the, in game three or an ejection in the game four after playing so poorly because... He's an all-time Raptor. He will have his number retired, and I can't imagine a bigger ovation than the one he will get when he returns to Toronto with the Spurs next season. But overall, this is a great deal for the Raptors. It's a big gamble, of course, but it does a couple things. First of all, they give up Jakob Pertl, who is not OG Ananobi or Pascal Siakam. That is a big deal. OG and Pascal, I think, are the two highest upside prospects on the team. And I was convinced that one of those guys was going to be heading to San Antonio in a Kawhi Leonard trade. That is not the case. They are both here for whatever happens after Kawhi Leonard's first season with the Raptors, whether or not he stays. You know, those guys are going to be here long term, and that is a big win for the Raptors. They're towing the line here a little bit with this bet. Uh, also, it kind of frees up some money going forward. If Kawhi ends up leaving and DeMar is no longer on the books, the Raptors are sitting there with a lot of flexibility, a ton of open money where they can take on contracts, attach the assets to sort of recoup some of what they've given up in order to get Kawhi and over the last couple of seasons as they've, as they've been in kind of win-now mode, and they can pivot quickly to a rebuild. They can move off Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka, who will be expiring contracts at the end of this season, and they can sort of re reset a little bit. A rebuild that was probably coming anyway, in theory, this move might expedite that a little bit and maybe make it a, a one year from now they do a rebuild instead of two or three, and it kind of gives the Raptors a very easy pivot point to get out of this era and into something new and I think that's good I think that's a nice thing to have as opposed to sort of hanging on too long and doing the thing that say the Hawks have done or maybe the, the Grizzlies are about to do where they don't quite accept that they have to rebuild and they kind of let it drag out and they don't get max value for their guys the Raptors have a clear pivot point and if it doesn't work this this year with Kawhi Leonard and he moves on the Raptors can easily go into some sort of new era where they're building around OG Ananobi Pascal Siakam Fred Van Vliet DeLon Wright uh, and, and these guys who were really good this season maybe not star 
star players or franchise cornerstones in the future, but they're nice players to have. And then that'll be the next era of the Raptors. But considering where they're at, considering sort of how they got a little bit stale with the fan base the last few seasons, considering just all of the, the pressures on Masai Ujiri to make a big move to try to get a superstar on this team, this is not a team that's going to sign a free agent superstar. This is a team that has to trade for one. And, you know, considering their assets, considering that they would have been outgunned for a regular superstar by teams like Boston and Philly, it makes sense that the Raptors did this trade to get a guy who, in Kawhi Leonard, who is a top five player, an MVP candidate when he's healthy and playing, uh, to get him on the team, you know, this is the best way for the Raptors to go about this. And if they can keep him beyond this year, it is an absolute grand slam of a deal for the Raptors. I have a lot more on this deal, all the different ramifications of it uh, on Locked on Raptors, so please check it out on the iTunes feed. And uh, thank you for listening. Definitely check out Locked On Raptors. Sean does a great job covering the Raptors and opining about missing Terrence Ross because Terrence Ross is such a cool dude. Um, You can check that out on iTunes. uh, Just search for Locked On Raptors there. Uh, My take on this deal, I'll I'll provide it since I'm here and we're talking about it and we're thinking about it anyway. Um, I agree with Sean that that this is a risk that I think the Raptors had to take. Uh, I, I will sit here and say wholeheartedly, I am a fan of what the Toronto Raptors did last year. And, and it it broke my heart that they weren't able to beat the Cavaliers. Not, not just beat the Cavaliers in the series, beat them once in that series. I am, I'm a big believer. I, I think I've sat here and talked about this. And if I haven't, I've certainly said it on Twitter. I am a big believer that the regular season should have some meaning. And that the regular season is a different challenge from the playoffs. And, um, you know, I always remember Adrian Heath, uh, of of Orlando City fame now uh, Minnesota United coach had this to say during had this to say during USL Pro season and it, it really stuck with me because it, it's a little bit of a different ethos in soccer but this always stuck with me he never understood why the why in America and this is really an American uh, uh, this is something unique to America why your whole season six months of hard work are determined by two months of play rather than the four months of play. I'm not saying the playoffs aren't valuable, and and I do believe that in the playoffs, the best team always wins a best-of-seven series. There there, there are no flukes in a best-of-seven series outside of injuries, of course. So I always admired the Raptors and, and wanted them to have the playoff success so that everyone could recognize just how good and and how difficult of a team they are to prepare for on a night-in and night-out basis. Yes, they struggled in the playoffs. And last year was their year. If they did not get past LeBron James and the Cavaliers last year, which they didn't, obviously. If they weren't able to do it then, then you had to seriously ask the question, will they ever do it? And when they got swept, yeah, it felt like the end of the road for them. And so I like that the Raptors were being proactive. I like that Toronto stuck its neck out here, trading away a star player to get perhaps a better star player and to take that kind of a risk, knowing that their window to get to the finals is closing because Boston is here. Philadelphia is knocking on the door. Who knows where Milwaukee's at? Indiana has the beginnings of something. Toronto's window is closing and they know it. And they accelerated a little bit because of Kawhi Leonard's free agency coming up. But they know that window is closing. And so they're trying to get through it while they still can. 
I I think that if as, so long as Kawhi Leonard is healthy, this is a this is a good deal for Toronto. This is a deal as as much as it hurts to give up Demar Derozan, who had a fantastic season last year. I'm a big Demar. I'm not the big, a big fan of mid range jumpers, but I love Demar Derozan. I, I'm a big fan of his game of his of his game and the way he prepares and he makes mid range jumpers efficient. And I'm really excited to see him play in San Antonio within that offense and with that culture. And I think he's going to thrive there. So I, I, I like this deal for Toronto, and I actually kind of like it for San Antonio in some ways. That's about as good as you could do for Kawhi Leonard, and I think they'll keep their culture and 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 really be able to build and grow with the Rosen there, and the Spurs are going to spur. They're going to be really good next year. The question is whether Toronto can get over that hump, and if they can get over that hump, is that enough to keep Leonard in a Raptors uniform? That'll be the big, big, big question. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But we're not here to talk about the Toronto Raptors, at least not for too much longer than we already have. Let's talk about Jonathan Isaac. Entering the Summer League, a lot of the attention was going to be on Mohamed Bamba and Jonathan Isaac. Obviously, last two first-round picks for this team. It mattered how well they played. Because those are the two players, out of all the players on the Magic Summer League roster, those are the two players that you knew were going to be part of the rotation. They're going to get minutes, and they're going to play a lot of minutes and a lot of games for the Magic this season. More than that, Jonathan Isaac coming off his injury-ravaged rookie season, playing only 27 games. Orlando just hasn't seen a lot of Isaac. I could sit here and tell you, yeah, Isaac is a really good defender, probably the best perimeter defender on the team, but you didn't see a lot of it. And certainly offensively, you saw him very much take a backseat role. The Magic weren't going to put a lot on him, especially with the injuries, and tell him, you know, go out there and get 20. That's That, that wasn't going to be his role. Certainly at Summer League, that became his role. At Summer League, Orlando put the ball in his hands and said, go out and get yours. And it felt like it was a little bit of a fight at times to, to, to get Isaac to go out and get his. Because his natural inclination is to pass. He is, passive isn't the right word. Um, and, and I think I noted this when I was doing my draft previews of him and talking about him before the draft, that he tends to fade into the background. Like he, he, isn't, he isn't the most assertive, aggressive player. But he makes the right plays. It's not that he's bad in that way. He's, he's not looking for himself. He's looking to do what's best for the team. And, and obviously a young player, young player with his talent especially has to learn when is the right time to score and when is the right time to pass. If there is a positive silver lining to Isaac is usually it's the opposite way. Usually with young players, you're teaching them when to pass, not when to try and get your own points. Isaac the Magic are trying to teach him when to go after his own points. And so what were the final results here? Well, Isaac led the team in scoring, averaging 14.3 points per game, got 7 rebounds per game, 2.7 blocks per game, 1.3 steals per game. He filled up a stat sheet. 
Yeah, he shot 13 of 37, including 7 for 17 in his first game. So he was 6 of his last 20 as a 30% field goal percentage. He shot 35% for his three summer league games. And 14.3 points per game, it's not going to overly impress you. He did take three point seven. He did take uh, thirty-seven field goal attempts. That you know equates to about a little bit more than eleven shots per game. Not twelve shots per game. I apologize. I can't do math today. And so he was looking to to get his shot aggressively. Sometimes, most of the time, actually forcing it, taking a lot of fadeaways and and shots over defenders. Like he was taller than a lot of players he was playing, and willing to shoot over them. Was it the most efficient week for Jonathan Isaac? But his willingness to shoot was a positive sign for the Magic. His willingness to take those shots, to to try and create his own offense, even when it was forced, is exactly what the Magic wanted to see from him. That first game against Brooklyn, watching him work the post where he had a turnaround fadeaway that was fairly effective, where he had a dribble pull-up that was fairly effective, that he was shooting comfortably from beyond the arc, even if they weren't going in all the time, it was it looked natural for him. And, and it was just about getting the rhythm down. Isaac did show significant leaps in his offensive game. He did take a, a pretty big step up. It's not to say he's where he needs to be offensively. Obviously, shooting 35% is not particularly good. But he looked a lot better than he did his rookie year. He looked like a guy who has taken a big step up. That is going to be someone who can contribute something on the offensive end this year. It's not perfect. The picture is not clear. Let's let's make that perfectly clear as well. As I mentioned on Tuesday's podcast, Summer League is not the end point. Summer League is the midpoint. And so we've seen Isaac look more comfortable off the dribble, shooting off the dribble, and look more comfortable looking for his own shot. But... At the same time, then, that doesn't mean his work is done. He still has a lot of work to do on the offensive end. Are the expectations for Isaac to go out and score 20 points per game and take 15 shots per game in the regular season? No, absolutely not. It's a guy that averaged, what, five, six points per game last year. The expectation, I think, is for him to double that at least, get up to 12, 13, 14. If he can get into the 14, 15 point per game range, that would be a stellar offensive season for him, at least from that raw perspective. If he can shoot with more efficiency, a higher true shooting percentage, or a relative effective field goal percentage around 50%, that would be a huge step for him. Like all things, though, Summer League laid the seeds for it. It was a beginning, not an end. And there's still a lot of work that Isaac has to accomplish. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. 
Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But the one area that Isaac doesn't have to do, I mean, obviously he still has a lot of work to do there, but the one area that Isaac looks most solid is on defense. There were, within the first three or four days of Summer League, there were two or three or four different articles talking about Isaac and specifically his defensive ability and how his defense was the talk of Summer League. Yes, Isaac did not make an all-Summer League team, but the conversation and the talk that we were that we were hearing around this, this, this team and, and, and even the whole NBA was about what Jonathan Isaac was doing to Jaron Jackson Jr., to whoever he was guarding. In one sequence Monday, uh, last Monday against the Phoenix Suns, Isaac guarded DeAndre Ayton on three straight possessions. He got a tie-up on the first one. He blocked a shot on the second one, and he contested another shot on the third. DeAndre Ayton struggled with Jonathan Isaac's quickness and speed. He couldn't out-overpower him. A, that's a good sign that Isaac has put on the strength to take on those hits. And B, it was a sign that, it was an absolute sign that Isaac can truly defend any position one through five. Because Jaron Jackson had his worst game of the entire summer league. A guy who was an all-summer league first-teamer. Had a great summer league. Jaron Jackson did nothing against Jonathan Isaac. It wasn't just about that, that massive block. Jonathan Isaac shut him down. And he was just a terror defensively no matter who he was guarding. Isaac's biggest impact is rookie year, just like it will be throughout the rest of his career, will likely come on the defensive end. Where he just has a natural instinct of knowing where to be. And has the length to recover when he makes mistakes. Isaac averaged 2.7 blocks per game. That's, that's incredible for a perimeter player. And he was playing the four a lot in, in summer league. So maybe he wasn't quite a perimeter player. But still, 2.7 blocks per game is nothing to sneeze at. Muhammad Bamba, who's going to be a great shot blocker in this league, 2.3 blocks per game in summer league. We know that Isaac's going to get deflections. and He's going to use his length really well and he's just a smart, committed defender. And that's always... Such a great start for a young player. Young players, when they come in on defense, they A, they play, and B, they find that identity and that role that, that, they, that they need. And Isaac is such a central piece. Having that already in place is humongous. Isaac dominated... I mean, Isaac led the team in scoring and, and, and was more aggressive and did all that, but... Isaac dominated the summer league on his defense alone. It was incredible to watch. And obviously he still has work to do. Let's let's not let's not ignore that. He's still going to get a lot better. He still has to add some strength and that'll be a big focus the rest of the summer. But this kid is ready to go defensively. This kid is ready to play on the defensive end, and he will make an impact immediately. And honestly, that's why I think he will start immediately. It's not just that he is such an important player to the team's future. He is the best defender on the team. 
He's going to, he's going to, I mean, Clifford's going to challenge him. Steve Clifford will challenge him. Guard the best player on the other team. Doesn't matter what position, guard him. And that's going to be a central part of the Magic's defense, is that Isaac can, can lock down whoever he's going to guard, whoever, whoever the best player on the other team is. Saw him do that a little bit against Giannis Antetokounmpo, and we saw just how far he had us to go. Don't, don't get it wrong. But he's going to show flashes where he just shuts other, te- other players down. And that's going to be very. That's going to be the most exciting thing to watch about Jonathan Isaac his sophomore year because he has that most difficult NBA skill to teach, and that's defensive understanding and awareness. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. You can of course find us on Twitter at Locked On Magic, like us on Facebook at Locked On Magic, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. Be sure to check out the other great podcasts on the Locked On NBA Podcast Network. Search iTunes for Locked On and the team you're looking for, just like you heard Locked On Raptors. There's a Locked On podcast for every NBA team. Check out Locked On Spurs. I know Jeff Garcia will have his take on the Spurs side of the trade that happened earlier on Wednesday. Of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. We have a conversation with Fear the Wave about Melvin Frazier, so definitely check that out. And of course, follow us on Twitter at O. Magic Daily. That's going to do it for me today. Again, I want to thank you all again for listening. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rosson Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.